0: Welcome to I'd Rather Stay In, the podcast for cozy introverts. We're your hosts, Megan Myers
1: and Steffi Bredmore.
0: This week's topic, birth control. Hello. Hello. You got carpet today. I did finally.
1: You have you no longer have the gross whatever was That was I I think it was like beyond being carpet anymore. It just got to being just a floor covering.
0: (laughs) I mean, we first talked about this like what four weeks ago. Yeah, you were
1: yeah last like four weeks ago. We're like tomorrow, Megan's getting new carpet, right? And somewhere between then and (laughs) now, they lost her carpet or something, and it took four weeks for them to get it in. So.
0: Well, they actually said, when we talked to them last, to the salesperson, he was like, oh, we actually, we have it. I don't know why they're not installing it. And we're like, uh. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) I'm not. Oh my God. It's great. It's fine. We have it now. It's good. It's nice and soft. Which is good, because are you still sitting on the floor to record? I I am temporarily still, because I have not figured out a situation yet.
1: Someday we'll have what I have been referring to as the love nest, which is where we will pod and craft together.
0: Eventually, yes. But Um, we don't know where the
1: love nest is going quite yet.
0: I mean, I have a craft area set up, but it's in the basement. Ew, bugs! Well, I mean, there's not a lot of bugs in our basement, but (laughs) it is a little colder down there. And because there aren't doors and stuff, it might be... A little bit loud no, with the furnace true. and all sorts of various things. So that's true. We will eventually it's get our dr- it's on the dream list. Yeah. We'll so get our little hideaway set up at some point. It's all good. It's Maybe not, good. not until next year though. <laughs> after, after the winter.
1: <laughs> after, after we get through your first Illinois winter.
0: Yes. If the house does not fall down by then. <laughs>
1: It's been standing since the late 1800s. I think you'll be okay.
0: I hope so. Unless
1: Bob just really goes crazy, like knocking out walls, which...
0: He's not allowed to knock out any walls. Oh, okay. I'm glad that you've at least set that perimeter yeah, for him. Yeah, no it. wall knocking. He can drill
1: holes into things, but he can't knock walls down.
0: No, not allowed.
1: <laughs> you know, sometimes you just gotta put some rules in place. It's
0: true. You really just have to nip it in the bud
1: you have to like predict what is the craziest thing this man could do and how can i tell him not to do it before (laughs) it crosses his mind (laughs) So that you don't just come home one day and there's a hole in your wall. And you're like, what
0: happened? But you also don't want to mention it preemptively because then he might be like, well, actually, that's a good idea. Right,
1: because then you put the idea in his head. Mm -hmm. There's like, there's a fine line between setting the rule and not putting the idea in his head.
0: It really is.
1: (laughs) This is marriage, people. (laughs) It's marriage. It's fine.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. So I guess we could just dive right in today, because we have a hold-on-to-your-butts episode. Uh, yeah, we got
1: a packed a packed agenda for today, you guys. A
0: little bit. <laughs> I got kind of on a tear when I was doing research. I'm
1: surprised that's
0: never happened before, Megan.
1: <laughs> I, this is so <laughs> out of left field for your personality. Like, what? I was, I
0: was typing up the notes, and I was like, um... So I'm on page three of notes, which usually does not happen for us. She finally um.
1: stopped. Was, yeah. Well, sometimes we don't have any notes. That's true. <laughs> and then apparently sometimes we have three pages of notes. and she she finally stopped so I could add th- some things. But by the time I got to the notes, they were she'd pretty much covered most of what I was hoping we would chat about. So.
0: I mean, I could have kept going. I felt like I was in a zone and I was just like ready to write a whole argumentative paper about it. So... <laughs> I had to reel myself back in because you guys might like us, but you don't like us that much.
1: <laughs> I don't think you want to listen to us for three hours <laughs> talk about not. this topic. It's fine. it's fine. So
0: with the election that is happening as we speak and the recent Supreme Court upheaval, one thing that has been on many people's minds is birth control. But frankly, if you're a woman who needs or has needed it, birth control and the issues surrounding it is always on your mind.
1: That is right. So in light of all of this and the (laughs) ire that we feel about some (laughs) of it or all of it, uh, we wanted to talk about it. Yeah. So Megan, let's let's dive into some of this research that you did and let's start with the history of birth control, because I think that that is kind of an important foundation to set for some of the other things that we're going to talk about where we are right now in this point in time.
0: Yeah. So even though some people seem to think that birth control is a new thing, it really is not. Methods of birth control have been around for basically as long as recorded human civilization. There were people using birth control in cultures in Mesopotamia and ancient Egypt and ancient Greece. They made com- condoms out of like animal bladders, which gross, um, <laughs> or pieces of linen, which linen is a fabric that is breathable. So I don't see how that even worked. Probably not well. This Probably not guess. well. But the point is that they were. Trying. Yes. They also used plants and herbs as medicinal birth controls, and they actually had this plant that was called the uh, Sylphium. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Sylphium plant. It. And that's actually now extinct, I think partially because they were using it for all of those medicines. Interesting. Um, the ancient Egyptians also used a combination of crocodile poop and fermented dough as a spermicide. <laughs> which oh. I feel like led to, like, a lot of other problems <laughs> because... Yeah. That... uh uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me... That, like, so, makes me itch. <laughs> I know. Like, just thinking about eee. it. So, these ancient methods weren't necessarily effective, and in some cases, like, this copper saltwater tonic that they used in ancient Greece, they were actually toxic, but...
1: Also... Potentially, like,
0: the crocodile poop. Yeah, I'm sure. Or whatever, like, you could. I'm sure there's probably other diseases you could get from, like, rubbing crocodile poop on yourself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but the variety of these methods and how long ago they were used, it points to the idea that preventing pregnancies is not new. It's not right. something that people just suddenly came up with.
1: Right. This is not just, like, we got to, you know... 1950 and we were like we don't want to be pregnant anymore
0: right it's not like a crazy like women's lib thing
1: right. women went to work and now they don't want to have babies like <laughs> it's not it's not how that works you guys no
0: um so that goes on i mean I you threw they, they kind of jumps in the history of it where it got, kind of goes from ancient greece to like the slave industry times. Um, whereas in in between times, there was lots of other, uh, you know, herbs being used. You see that a lot in like historical fiction mm-hmm. being depicted. Granted, those are written now, so might have a little bit of embellishment. Sure. However, there is some truth to them. But during the slavery years, many, many, many Way people thought it was perfectly fine to rape their slaves. Yeah. And so women turned to plants and herbs to prevent these unwanted pregnancies because, hi. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Of course. Like, why? No, of course not. Right. But at the same time, like, during these years in the 1800s, the church and government officials were actively trying to prevent contraceptive methods and many states banned contraceptives completely by the 1840s. There's
1: a there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot of white supremacy. There's a lot of misogyny. There's just a lot. Well, it's, uh, there's a lot of zero separation between church and state.
0: I mean, just the fact that, like, these men thought it was perfectly fine to do what they were doing. Right. And then... Absolutely. They would basically, you know, they would have children by these women who who then, those children would then also be slaves.
1: Right. Because they didn't take them in as their own. Right. They refused to acknowledge that they were their children.
0: Right. So... Like...
1: (laughs) There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there.
0: And just the fact that because the, the church and the government, they were trying to prevent contraceptive methods, like, they were basically encouraging this practice. Yeah. Like, there's no really any other way about that. Right. They can, I don't know what they can want to claim back then. It was, you know, 1840s, 1850s or whatever, but still, like, right. they they clearly were fine with it because of the, probably the economy or some bullshit.
1: Right. Well,
0: wow. Yeah.
1: And racism. <laughs>
0: yeah, and racism. <laughs> the economy
1: and racism.
0: <laughs> it's all, I mean, it's all tied together. Right. So even though states banned contraceptives by the 1840s, the rubber condom is invented in 1855. That's interesting. Yeah. But, to like bring it back down again, in 1873, the federal government passed this thing called the Comstock Act, mm-hmm. which is basically all about declaring contraceptives to be obscene and illicit and make it a crime to send birth control through the postal system. That is wild. Which because in you know 1875 there weren't a lot of big cities. Right. Probably a lot of people you know, most people were still farmers back then. Like the only way to get things was through the postal system. Right. Like we all read Little House in the Big Woods like when paul went to town to get the mail it was like a big deal Mm -hmm. right
1: well and like your average general store probably did not is not gonna
0: carry condoms these newfangled condoms (laughs)
1: like i'm sorry where's your birth control section like that's not a thing
0: no it's not and then abortion was banned in 1888 and then like, I feel like, it just, it just gets,
1: worse. gets worse. There's there's no upper here, you
0: guys. No, it just keeps getting progressively worse. In nineteen oh seven, the United States enacted policies that gave states the right to forcibly sterilize populations. Quotes like undesirables, mm-hmm. like um people who are mentally ill or mm-hmm. have learning disabilities or minorities any any sort of disability any sort of thing that they thought they were undesirable sure so indiana is the first state to do this and then by 1929 there are 30 states Mm -hmm. that participate this in this and as we all have come to know it is Mm. still going on
1: yeah you cannot at this point if you are saying that this is not a thing that happens in the year 2020, you have not been paying enough attention. You are no. you are actively choosing to not pay attention and to ignore the reports of what is
0: actively happening at our borders. I wonder what that's like. Like to just be so like, oh, I didn't hear oh, about right. that. Right huh. in
1: such denial or in such la la land, to be like that's not a thing that happens in 2020.
0: Yeah, or to just be like, I just don't watch the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> I don't know. If someone knows, please tell us,
0: because <laughs> <laughs> we're confused. Yeah, we're confused.
1: We'll also probably judge you, so maybe don't. You probably don't want to tell us that. Maybe, it's yeah. Funny. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if you have a family member, if you have a, if you have fictional friends that has experienced this, if you want to share their story, please write in.
0: <laughs> tell us what's up. Uh, so, in the middle of the this whole spore sterilization thing, in 1914, Margaret Sanger, who was a nurse, she begins her crusade to make birth control not a crime and available to everyone. Mm-hmm. So, she opens a clinic, and of course, she's arrested and put on trial. <laughs> but she gets a lot of publicity from being put on trial, and this helps her continue her cause. Even though she's arrested many more times. Mm -hmm. But in 1918, the New York State Court of Appeals rules in her favor and declares that limitations on distributing birth control is unconstitutional because, hi, don't force women to have more babies than they want. Hello. But it wasn't until 1936 that it was ruled the Comstock Act violated the Constitution. So. So like 18 more years after they ruled in her favor. This law was, like, still going on.
1: Which is always wild to me.
0: I, I mean, we know government moves slowly when they don't want something to happen, but... Jesus.
1: 18 years
0: feels excessive, <sighs> y'all. It's very excessive. So, in the 1950s, the first birth control pills were created, interestingly enough, by men. <laughs> and the pills did not become widely available until the 1960s. And that's when the Supreme Court overturned the ban of contraceptives for married couples... So you had to be married to get birth control mm-hmm. until 1972. And then you could get it to unmarried cul- couples. <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> so now there are many, many kinds of birth control. There's the pill. There's shots. There's IUD. There's diaphragm. there's I, There was a patch. For, I don't know if they still have the patch. There's so many things. There's a lot of things. But it's still controversial it's still controversial
1: literally hundreds of years later we're still fighting about this yes so okay that it's it's a wild history that it's a roller coaster ride
0: mostly of downs (laughs) mostly of downs i went through that very quickly but those are the i don't want to say highlights but main points (laughs) the
1: main the main points to hit obviously yeah obviously there's there's a lot of things that are happening between you know ancient greece and the 1800s and then the 1800s to now but um again if we went through all of it this would be like a 10-hour podcast so hitting hitting some of the main the main points so when we're talking about birth control I think it's really important that we understand that birth control and the access to or lack of access to birth control affects way more things than we think that it does. Like, Mm -hmm. I think particularly if you are not someone who has ever needed birth control, um you it was it's very easy to think of birth control as the thing that keeps you from having babies and that's it but th- the truth of it is that the use of birth control has actually been one of the largest drivers of female economic growth in the United States because it gives us the ability to space out or choose not to have children um, it allows women to finish school, to get jobs, to advance in the world. Um, and it's, interestingly enough, family planning a lot of times is the only time or reason women see a doctor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, healthcare, the cost is astronomical. So depending on your economic situation you may or may not have a family doctor that you're going to see every year for a physical. And so for many women, their primary care doctor is actually their OBGYN or their par- Planned Parenthood clinic. Uh, again, parent-
0: Planned Parenthood is
1: very important.
0: Yeah, it's it's not abortions. It's about...
1: <laughs> it is about... They do so many healthcare. things. They do so many things. Um, and so when we look at the economic impact that birth control makes, it's huge. Um, We find that while people want to ban abortion and they want to limit birth control provisions, the amount of care and support for women after they have a baby, after a baby is in the world, that is extremely limited. And the programs like WIC, um, Women, Infant Children, are often in danger of being defunded so we see these very staunch pro-life quote pro-life communities actually really at the end of the day being more pro-birth
0: yeah especially you see it for sure when it comes to not just wic but any sort of um public funding you know for like school funding is incredibly important and most schools are very, very underfunded. Yes. Especially in, you know, inner city areas where they don't have the money to lift up the school themselves. Like I lived in a school district that was very well off and they still did like sell your crap fundraisers yeah. for the school. Yeah. So they could buy whatever thing they needed to buy for the school. Because schools are basically across the board, underfunded. And so instead of spending all this lobbying money that they're trying to get against Planned Parenthood or against birth control, they could be directing it toward resources like free clinics for people to be healthy and so they don't have to worry about possibly having babies that they don't want or to schools to then teach those children or to have better funded food banks so those children can eat like it's insane to me that your baby basically is not your baby until it's born Mm -hmm. like yeah if it's inside of you like that's the government's baby right (laughs) that's the way it feels right
1: so i i think it's also important when we're talking about systemic issues like this that we acknowledge that there are there are people and industries that benefit from all of these limitations. Mm -hmm. Um, As an adoptive parent and as someone who advocates for ethical adoption, I would be remiss to not mention adoption when we're talking about this um, because the adoption industry as a whole absolutely benefits from women not having access to birth control or abortions or being able financially able to raise their babies. Um, there, they, there are absolutely there are absolutely unethical adoption professionals who see, what is happening as beneficial to them. Um, And yet, we still villainize the women who choose to place their children for adoption when they do not feel that they have any other choice because of these systemic issues. Right. So we have created, and by we, society, but again, the industry is so much behind this, um, and a lot of adoptive parents um, have fed into a lot of the propaganda that has been pumped into society that the women who choose to place their children for adoption are not responsible. They um, don't want their children. They don't deserve to have their children. There's, a, there's all of these narratives that we've been fed mm-hmm. to to... Villainize these women who are making what they feel is the only choice that they can make to survive. When, as my my good friend Ashley Mitchell, who is one of the premier birth mom voices in the country, she points out all the time, when women are considering adoption for their child, often the pregnancy and that the baby that's like the sm- one of the smallest fires that they're putting out mm-hmm. um, because of all of these systemic issues um, and, you know, the lack of access to ju- just healthcare in general, mental health care, um, education funding, like everything feeds together. So when we talk about not having access to birth control, um, not having support for you know, single moms who are struggling, th- these things are all tied together. They're all pieces of this this greater picture. Um, and, and it is really important to remember that all of these things feed together and that we have created this system where women don't feel like they have another choice.
0: Well, we've created a system where there's, there's no way to win. Mm-mm. So the only way there's like one path that is okay and that is you don't have sex until you get married and then you get married and then you have a baby and you have as many babies as possible at the end yes and that is not the way life works right at all so if you are a single mom or a mom that is you know living in poverty or something and you if you get pregnant you're you know your choices to have an abortion or give your baby up for adoption and both of those things are seen as failing mm-hmm. but no one is like looking at you to figure out like how can we help this mother right like right. she's the one like the goal is to not have more abortions the goal is to not adopt out babies
1: <laughs> right absolutely but, if we lived in a perfect world these things would not exist exactly it, it just wouldn't. And I know that that like, especially within the adoption community, that upsets a lot of people when you say like, in a perfect world, adoption would not exist. But adoption is only, it only comes out of brokenness. Mm-hmm. Like, again, as Ashley has always talked about, she's like, I wasn't sitting in my high school guidance counselor's office being like, I'd really like to be a birth mom someday. Like, this is not, this was not what I th- planned for my life. But here I am. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's... <laughs> If you don't, if you're not fitting into this, you know, like perfect, what is painted as like this perfect picture, then we've said that you're failing, but we're also not going to help you in any way to do better. Like, it's just, it all fucking sucks. (laughs) So the other, the other thing I I also want to talk about, I I have like, that was, that was rant number one from me. (laughs) The other thing I want to talk about is that there's there's a there is so often a lack of access to birth control, but there's also almost an opposite problem, where birth control is very often overprescribed as almost like a panacea for all female fertility issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I when I was fourteen, my family doctor suspected that I had endometriosis. And um, because there's no other way to diagnose it than surgically, going in, you know, laparoscopic surgery, that like freaked my parents out. And so I ended up on birth control for the next 10 or 11 years, pretty much continuously. Um, And this happens to a ton of women. I was on um, an account recently by a former foster youth, and she was talking about how she also has endometriosis and had a very similar experience where the birth control was handed out, and it's really just a Band-Aid. It's covering Mm -hmm. up the the symptoms of what is actually going on but it's not actually fixing anything so that then when you are 25 26 years old and you want to start a family all of these issues have just been continuing to get worse without you knowing it because you've been on birth control all of these years. And now you've got a real mess to deal with. Um, Which was what, which was what my case was. Um, I often think about, and, and this is like one of those, like if I had to go back and change it, would I know because then I wouldn't have my precious baby girl. But I often wonder like, what would have happened if I had gotten off the birth control and had a doctor who would listen to me sooner? Mm-hmm. Or if we cared enough about female fertility? Like, guys, there are so many treatments out there for erectile dysfunction. <laughs> but when it comes They're to female... They're in the freaking paper, like ah, the newspaper. Literally. Ads on the radio. Everywhere you look, you're like, oh, more, another erectile dysfunction ad. But... Like Honestly, it seems like there's a new medication every week. But when it comes to female fertility, nobody cares enough to actually figure out what's going on. When it comes to the thing that is making more humans, we're like, "Eh, here's some birth control. You'll be fine. Mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting dichotomy where we have the absolutely no, never be on birth control, it is terrible, you know, stay abstinent until marriage, but then, you know, be very careful not to have babies if you're not ready, side. And then we have this other side that's like, well, I don't really know what's going on with you, you're having really bad periods, and really that's probably indicative of something worse going on, but I'm just going to put you on birth control because it's easier. Than actually trying to diagnose what is happening with you when we can potentially fix it,
0: and when you're a teenager, like you've and you've only had your period for a few years, like you don't know, like, and it's your doctor. You're supposed to be able to trust your doctor to do the right thing,
1: right? And like, I mean, I, I had, I have only ever had terrible periods. Like, my my husband after one of my my laparoscopic surgeries for the endo like he asked her how long do you think she's she's had endometriosis and my doctor said probably from her first period when i was 12 so i have only ever had terrible periods i literally didn't know anything else Mm -hmm. so i mean for me like going on birth control and just not, like, taking it continuously and just not having periods was, like, kind of great because I didn't have to deal with the periods and I wasn't, you know, crippled on the floor once a month. Like, that was fine. And my parents didn't know to fight for anything else. And honestly, I think at that point, I, we had a really great doctor, but I don't think at that point she knew to fight for anything else. Mm-hmm. And we are just woefully under preparing our future doctors to deal with this. I've said so many doctors that like, they have no idea when it comes to female fertility and any sort of issues around that. They have absolutely no idea. They have no idea. I mean, I have been to OBGYNs. That is literally their job. And they're like, yeah, you're probably just fine. Like, they don't, th- when it comes to infertility or any issues whatsoever, they have absolutely no idea.
0: Well, sure, for you, too, I'm sure they're like, oh, well, you're young.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you can't possibly have problems because that yes. only happens to older women.
1: Yes. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I I used to think all the time, it, and it, when we were still trying to get pregnant, it was, it, it, it was a a major, frustra- I mean, it's still a major frustration point just for the, just because, um, but I would just cry because I'm like, what, what, uh, what if I had gotten a doctor to listen to me sooner? Mm-hmm. What if I had, when I was 21 or 22, what if I had gotten a doctor to actually listen to me when I was like, I just, I feel like there's something going on here instead of being like, ah, you're probably fine. Just take your birth control. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Like, could I have saved myself an eight hour surgery? Like, could, could, I, I, there's so, I, there's so many like what if questions that again, it's like a moot point to even go down the path because <laughs> it's like <laughs> choosing a life that I can't even have predicted for the life that I have now with my beautiful family. But it, there's still like, there's a frustration in me. There's like a fire in me that just, I it makes me so angry that we just don't care enough about female fertility to look into it and to figure it out.
0: So, Steffi, why is there not more birth control for men?
1: All right, listeners. Say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. The patriarchy! patriarchy. <sighs> yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. So it must be because women give birth. So it's our responsibility.
1: It's all that they come out. The baby comes out of us.
0: Right. Of course. So for some reason, I mean, we're responsible for everything else. Just pile another thing on top of the list. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, so like they have basically the only contraceptive that men have is a condom. Right. And... I'm pretty sure every single woman out there listening, probably some men too, have had partners that were just like, oh, but it doesn't just feel, it feels, doesn't feel good to wear a condom.
1: Right. It and you It doesn't like, feel good. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that the sound of the tiniest violin playing for you? Like, my guy, you're still going to come.
0: You are. <laughs> There's very little chance that they're not going to.
1: Right. <laughs> like. I'm sorry, but I don't care.
0: <laughs> so there have been clinical trials of male birth control. Um, there have been some pretty recently, actually. But uh, God,
1: surprise, surprise! surprise
0: men weren't willing to deal with the side effects. Which <laughs> let's just talk about the side effects of birth control for a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, like it's, literally everything. It, it, it's <laughs> <laughs> Nausea. Uh like, high blood pressure. Vomiting. Weight gain. Fever. Probably rashes. hmm Uh irrational behavior. Suicidal thoughts. Probably actually death. Like Right.
1: And we and we do it. We, we still as do it. Females. We do it. hmm Because we don't have a choice. Yep. But, you know, we all know about the man flu. <laughs> It's true, and this is the this is the
0: medical version of man flu. They might get a little sick, Steffi. <coughs> have the black lung. The problem I have with this, to be honest, is that they did like two studies, and they were complaining about the side effects, and so they just stopped doing it. Like they just, just stopped filed. studying these medications. You're like ah
1: ah that's ah we did t- we we, tr- Megan we tried.
0: We tried and we failed.
1: We we tried it a little bit, and now we can just tell people that we tried. So e for fine. effort. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man!
1: But like Megan, why don't people just like not have sex?
0: Oh my gosh! What a great idea that totally works.
1: I, I, I yeah, just teaching abstinence is like absolutely a thing that works it's like scientifically proven
0: i have friends so we just moved out of texas obviously and i have friends who grew up in texas and they went went to high school junior high elementary school in texas and uh they had abstinence only education Mm. and their their basic thing was that they uh they signed a piece of paper saying Mm. that they would not have sex Mm-hmm. until they were married and i was like that was your sex ed and they're like pretty much i'm like yeah i did church." Cool. that, in that seems a lot, like a, i
1: have a lot to say. we'll talk about this sometime i have a lot to say about the purity movement
0: <laughs> it seems like a really good way to um make sure that nobody is educated mm-hmm. uh make sure that they contract communicable diseases yes Um, and not prepare them at all for consequences down the road. And also, take away the idea of pleasure, because sex is about pleasure. Right. And it's not only about procreation. Have you seen the animals in the world? Like, (laughs) have you been to a dog park? (laughs) Like, come on. My female dog humps. Seriously. Yes. Yes. Guys, it's just <laughs> she's fixed. It's not like she's gonna have yeah. babies. No, it's also, just not like she's, nothing would happen, even if she wasn't fixed.
1: like her being on top is not doing anything, <laughs> it's
0: not creating right. anything, it's like, still not gonna happen, but it's
1: still happening. But it is just, I'm like, yeah, also, like, and again, it's such a frustrating argument because it's so. It's so much like the desire to ban abortion. Mm-hmm. It, we're, it, it, the conversation so often comes down to either there is everything or there is nothing. We are either not having sex or you're clearly just going to have all the sex and we're clearly just going to teach our young children that they should be having orgies at the age of, like, 12. Like, (laughs) that's what it's... It's like they're... You know, it's like either we're going to have no abortions or just obviously everyone is just going to immediately run out and get an abortion. And first of all, that's not the case. No. But also, the, the... The flip side of what we need to be looking at is, okay, so you don't want young people having crazy sex, so you don't want people to have abortions, so you don't want people to have or need abortions. There are so many other things that we could be doing that is actually fixing the problem. That is... When we're looking at it, that is the, for example, abortion is a, it's a it's a symptom of a greater problem, mm-hmm. but we aren't actually wanting to take a look at what it what else is happening. So instead, we say absolutely no abortion. Instead of saying why are people seeking abortions, I don't know maybe because we're teaching abstinence only education and limiting access to their birth control. Maybe because we're not preparing our young people from the jump for any of this. Maybe because we don't provide assistance for mothers and parents in crisis. Like, there are all of these other things that we could be doing that would would bring down the need for so many of these other things. But instead we're like, ah, eh, no. We're just going to say, absolutely everything's illegal.
0: Yep. And it's also, like, the, it goes back to the fact that, like, the birth control is f- on the responsibility of the woman. Yes. When everyone says, oh, we'll just don't have sex. Like, are you asking men to not have sex? Uh,
1: right. Like, Because
0: you know that men are not going to not have sex. Uh,
1: please refer back to the section where we talked about... The 1800s and how men acted with their slaves. Thank
0: yeah, you. Um, people were frequently raped and forced to have babies. Mm-hmm. And whether people acknowledge it or not, women and young girls, young girls, mm-hmm. as you said, you got your period when you were twelve. Yes, are raped at an alarming rate mm-hmm. and forced to have babies of their rapists. Yes, people think that it doesn't happen, but it happens a lot. Mm -hmm. And it is infuriating to me. And the thing is that even if you say, oh, well, we don't want to, we want to make abortions illegal. Okay. Well, it doesn't mean they're going to not happen. Right. The only thing that is going to happen is that they will then go back to the clandestine doctor's offices. Back alley. They will be back alley. Like people will die because of it, because they will not be able to have proper care yes because people will be desperate what happens when women need to have abortions is that they are desperate to have a solution in their life they are because desperate. they don't know where else to go
1: yeah again i know i've mentioned ashley like a thousand times but part of her story and i'll link to her instagram profile because if if this is of any interest to you at all her story is uh, she's she's amazing and her story is incredible But she talks all the time about how she just needed to not be pregnant. Mm -hmm. Like, and she grew up in the church. She grew up in the Mormon church. Like, she is a woman of faith. But she knew that she would rather face God with an abortion on her than face her church with an unwed pregnancy. And so she actually, she did seek out an abortion and she was two weeks too late and then was like, well... Now I don't have a choice. What do I do? And then she chose to make an adoption plan. But as she often says, like, I just needed to not be pregnant. And I can't tell you how many stories of other birth moms I have heard that same or similar thing from. Like, they just, they needed to not be pregnant.
0: And it's not something that people should be shamed for.
1: Mm-mm. They're not again, like, nobody is out here when they're 12, being like, I think someday. This would be a great thing. Like, that's not how
0: it works. When I'm older, I'm going to get me an abortion. Right. It's just not
1: (laughs) how it works. And we need to have, next week we're going to, I'm like, uh, next week we're going to talk about mental health stigma. So, spoiler alert for the end of this episode where we talk about what is coming up next week. Next week we're going (laughs) to talk about mental health stigma. And there, but again, like, there's so much stigma around so many health issues Mm -hmm. mental health and women's health issues um and we're so quick to judge people we're so and i mean like listen megan and i are some judgy bitches (laughs) but like we, (laughs) we we're gonna judge you for weird things but like we need to have some compassion for our neighbors. Mm -hmm. Like, we need to understand that decisions made in crisis are just that. They are decisions made in crisis. It doesn't mean that the person who has made that decision isn't going to regret it later. That doesn't mean that they aren't going to wish that they had made a different choice or that they had the option to make a different choice or whatever but we need to, to take a se- step back yeah. and recognize that there are so many reasons why women choose yeah. anything that they choose with their bodies and we just need to sit down and shut up about it
0: yeah And if you are not willing to shut up about it, then focus that energy on making sure that those women are not in a crisis. Yes. Focus your energy on promoting education among women and families and teenagers about birth control and sex and what exactly lies ahead of them in life. Yes. Like... (laughs) I mean, just thinking about back in high school where we – so we had sex ed in high school, but also they don't really teach you, like, life skills. No, absolutely They, like, teach you – they teach you certain things, but they're not like, when you get out of college, you are going to have to pay your bills. (laughs) Right.
1: I I do remember learning how to write a check in high school, which I already knew because my mom had taught me that long
0: long I think they – I think my – Government teacher, I think he taught us how to fill out a ten forty easy. But all but like day to day survival no is not something that schools are teaching.
1: Listen, I could have used a class on how
0: insurance works. Oh God. I could still <laughs> use a class on how insurance works. Right, tell like, who you wants, like
1: who wants to teach me insurance one oh one?
0: It's open enrollment right now. You read those things, you're just like, so I don't stressful. know what any of this means. Uh,
1: <laughs> it's terrible like,
0: i think just in general i think there just needs to be better support across the board yes and i think if we are able to get back to like the basics of supporting each other yes. in that way then you can begin to address the the root causes of why women have to have birth control and why they have to end up having abortions and it's just so frustrating to see people arguing the opposite yes it is because we're we should all be in this together
1: yeah and again you know as an adoptive parent who cares very much about her child and adult adoptees and birth parents and my child's birth parents. It's exceedingly infuriating when I see the arguments come to, well, you could just, you know, there's those children. We could just, adoption, that's the solution. It's not. Adoption is not the magic solution to any of this. Um, And it should not be. And I say that as someone who became a parent through adoption. Like, I am the beneficiary in my triad. (laughs) And I am still here to tell you, it is not the solution to any of this. Like, oh, I'll just... Look at all these babies that need homes. Like, no, this is not. mm -mm, Absolutely not. So... We have to shut down that narrative mm-hmm. um, because it is, that's again, that it is this narrative that is pumped out, um, particularly by a very specific subset of people. And it's just not an okay narrative and it's very hurtful. It's very, very hurtful for adult adoptees and birth parents to see that peddled as, wow, it's so, wow. Oh adoption is like that's we have to stop that we have to and we have to stop saying well I'm just so glad I didn't abort that baby like that's just not (laughs) they're not it's not adoption is not the opposite of abortion It is not the solution for anything any of this like stop it and again, I, I will link to some folks in the show notes and our quick links um, that you can take a deeper dive into some of some of their accounts on Instagram, in particular, um, if you want to understand a little bit more about that the adoption side of things. Um, I have some friends that have done some really great posts about that, um, but. Yeah, that's a whole that's a that's probably yeah, an entire another episode worth of tirade from me <laughs> <laughs> if i'm being really honest
0: <laughs> yeah
1: so i i wish that we had like a I, I know that i know that often when we when we have these kind of ranty episodes we often have like a so what now and I wish that I had, like, a, so what now for this?
0: I don't um, have one either.
1: And I don't have one. And maybe a lot of it, so as we are recording this, uh, Amy Coney Barrett was uh, instated to the Supreme Court last night. Um, the day that this comes out is Election Day. Um, so things are hard right now. Like, I don't, I, neither of us are going to sugarcoat that that reality it's scary and it's hard
0: and I think a lot of people if they are thinking that it's not going to affect them in a negative way um, it, it will somehow mm-hmm. there are ways that it will it creep into your life mm-hmm. um, it might not be you but you know in, you probably have other people in, in your life Mm -hmm. that are affected by this um and yeah it feels feels kind of bleak right now
1: it does feel bleak it does feel bleak because again it's not just about when we're when we're talking about birth control we're not just talking about women choosing not to have children Mm mm-hmm it becomes a health ish- issue. Like as much as I just ranted mm-hmm. earlier about how birth control is often over-prescribed for female health and fertility issues, there are often times when it is actually very, very necessary. For any number of reasons, um, whether it, it really is the best option to keep someone's debilitating symptoms under control Or there could be a very life-threatening reason for them to not get pregnant. Like, there are so many times when birth control is medically necessary. And it's not just about, oh, I don't want to have a kid yet. It is truly medically necessary. And so it is not, this is not as simple as quote, simple in quotes, simple as, oh, I do or don't want to have a baby. It is a health issue. And when you're talking about a health issue, then you're talking about a human rights issue.
0: Yeah. And it's also a huge economic issue, too, because mm-hmm. we're, we talked earlier about how the availability of birth control has been been a a way for women to bring themselves up in society Mm -hmm. but for a lot of low-income populations that has not been the case Mm -hmm. because it's been harder for them to get birth control they are in um jobs where it's less likely they're going to have birth control covered um so they're not gonna be able to pay for it either through insurance or out of pocket Mm um they're in a society that is sort of made it so they are forced into pregnancies and they are not able to bring themselves out of that economic status um yeah and it's just a a really bad cycle
1: yep yep it's it's cyclical and it's systemic and the this, this system is set up to fail these women. Mm-hmm. It is set up to fail these women and their children. That's, and that's just... That's it. And... Yes, there are... So often there are fathers involved who are very actively involved. But in many, many cases, it is set up to fail the women and their children and the men are not being and it's set up to not hold the men accountable for anything. Yep. So I don't I don't again I, I don't this in this portion of this, uh, of the episode <laughs> before we get to Joy, I don't have any like happy note to end on because I don't know what's going to happen. And it's very scary. But I think it is important for us to talk about.
0: Yeah, I don't think it does any good to brush it under the rug. Um, I think it's something that definitely needs to be talked about more. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't have daughters. But uh, if I I did, I would definitely be talking about it. I am going to talk about the limited amount of male birth control yeah. i can with my sons but also explain to them the importance of birth control in general yes um and i will also just add if if you haven't voted yet today go vote
1: you can still there's still time this episode will drop in the morning there is time today to go vote
0: if you're um, in line when the polls close you can still vote
1: yeah, don't leave. Remember our voting episode. Don't leave the line. <laughs> don't move until they have taken your vote. Um, I guess the the thing that I will say, you know, like you just said, Megan, like you're going to teach your children. Uh, I, we will we will be teaching Eden, the, everything that we can. Um, having those hard conversations, I think that. If, again, like, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, even though there sometimes feels like a limited amount that you can do, you can still tell your elected representatives what's important to you. Mm -hmm. You still have the opportunity to write to them and or call them and say, hey, this is important to me as your constituent you can also you have the opportunity to start changing the narrative and it can start in your own home so starting with your children um starting with your parents even if you have older generation parents and you know if you're at thanksgiving (laughs) And somebody starts spouting off some stuff that's just not true. Toss back the rest of your glass of wine and you have the opportunity to well actually them. <laughs> um, and to have those hard conversations. I think we so often just avoid hard conversations with our family members, but... I also think that we're heading into a time where it's almost dangerous not to have hard conversations.
0: I mean, I think it's part of the reason why we got where we are. Mm-hmm.
1: So we can start changing the narrative and changing people's understandings with our own home within our own homes, with our extended families. And it doesn't have to be, like, you don't have to be rude about it. But <laughs> if somebody's saying something that is not factual or that is harmful to a subset of the population, there's nothing wrong with politely, gently correcting them or not politely correcting them. They're probably more likely to listen to you if you're nice. So there are things that we could do even on a small level. And I think that it starts, it can start to change how society looks at things, but we have to be willing to have hard conversations and be a little bit uncomfortable. It's the only way that we can make real change is to be willing to be a little uncomfortable at times. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's, that's where I will leave it. I don't know if you have anything else to add, but. No. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> let's end up, let's actually end on a number. <laughs> you know how we always have to. Let's talk about joy. We need, we need to talk about something happy. So Megan, what's bringing you joy this week?
0: Um, so aside from finally getting carpeting. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, so I mentioned last week that I was playing Breath of the Wild on the Switch. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm really bad at it, but I'm getting bad, better, uh, and it's really fun, and I learned how to ride a horse. That's very exciting. In the game. You have to train it so it listens to you. <laughs> that's, I guess that's important. <laughs> but then you can, uh, you can take it to a stable and you register your horse, Oh, because um, they're they're like wild horses, and you have to catch one first, basically. Oh, and then there's you can,
1: a lot involved here. You can
0: register your wild horse, and you get uh, a saddle for it, and you can name it. And I named my horse Derek.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why? I couldn't think of, of anything else, and I was like Derek. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so now every time i'm gonna play breath of the wild i'll have my horse derek and i will think of the good place and it will make me laugh every time
1: i was doing some research so um i think i've mentioned before i do some freelance food writing and stuff and um i was doing some seo research on baked apples and the other day and this it kept the search term kept popping up baked apples botw. I was like what the fuck is that <laughs> so then of course I had to search it and it, it turns out it's from Zelda Breath of the Wild or whatever I guess there was these baked apples in the game I of course I don't play so I don't understand the, everything in it but I was like well this is wild because there were people that were like legitimately searching for like what is this Breath of the Wild baked apple recipe
0: I mean, the baked apple recipe in Breath of the Wild is literally an apple that you throw on the fire.
1: I think people were like, (laughs) I don't. there were legitimately like searches, like (laughs) search terms popping up where people were clearly searching for the recipe. And again, I don't totally know the, I don't know the context of their searches. Like, were they looking to make them in real life? Were they looking for more information on how to do them in the game? Like, I don't i don't know the context but it was it was like a wild discovery for me i immediately texted you and i was like this is a thing i just learned is a thing (laughs) what
0: (laughs) i bet that there's probably recipes out there now for like all of the rest the the non because there are some other non-weird recipes in there that Uh are like hot peppers and mushrooms and meat oh there's absolutely Um, like a bootleg zelda cookbook yeah i'm for sure there is (laughs) but uh that game has been pretty fun um max likes to watch me play and there's this thing that you learn where you like can throw an energy bomb to like blow things up
1: i would like an energy bomb thrown on me sometimes to well it kills you
0: but (laughs) um i was fighting these monsters and i like set one of them on fire but then he ran over to his friend and set his friend on fire (laughs) and killed his friend oh, no. and we were just like sitting there laughing at our me. butts off it was really funny <laughs> the, uh, they're really dumb monsters but
1: i was gonna say they're like, clearly not the brightest ones.
0: Uh, it was giving us a lot of joy and me and my horse derek
1: oh derek yeah it's amazing
0: he he does have uh some he does have black hair actually oh we'll his see his mane there is know. black Yeah. Here. What Derek. is it bringing, what is it bringing you joy? Uh,
1: so I went to the dentist today, which was wild in the time of COVID. Um, but I have dental insurance and so I was getting, you know, it's getting towards the end of the year and I didn't want to like waste having dental insurance. So I was like, <laughs> I better go to the dentist cause it's free. Um, so I went to the dentist today and you know, the, the dental hygienists always like make conversation with you, which usually annoys me because I'm like, you're in my mouth I can't carry on this conversation with you but my dental hygienist was she was she was delightful and she we were talking and she's pretty close to my mom my mom's age how old my mom would have been her name is Julie which was my mom's name and then as we're talking we find out we both really like to bake and we both really like to make pies and And she makes her own pie crust. And I could tell from talking to her, like from the conversation, like she legit, like she legitimately does make her own pie crust. Like she knows what she's doing. And it was, it's just very rare. Not a lot of people like to make pies or like to make pie crust because a lot of people find it to be a real pain in the ass. And I love it and my mom loved it. And so it was just like weirdly delightful to have this conversation with someone who had my mother's name, is real close to my mother's age, and also really liked to make pie. Like, I didn't tell dental hygienist Julie any of this connection (laughs) um, because I didn't want to be, like, super weird. Like, my dead mother was also named Julie and loved to make pie. Like, I didn't want to be super weird, but it was just – it was a very lovely little conversation, and I just – I don't know. I just – it warmed my heart a little bit. That's very sweet. Yeah, have that conversation about – thanksgiving pies and i don't know you know all that stuff so that was that that was that brought me some joy throughout my day
0: that sounds very nice also i have healthy teeth well i mean that's if you don't have your health you don't have anything (laughs) amen (laughs) well next week we will ironically be talking about mental health stigma
1: so, while mental health is getting more noticed these days, there's definitely still some misconce- misconceptions around it. Join us back here next week as we discuss some personal experiences with a special guest. In the meantime, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and listen to us on your favorite platform. You can also follow us on social media at IRSI Podcast or send us an email at I'd rather stay in podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from our listeners.
0: Bye. <music>